John Richards and Andy Gilly are celebrating the holidays with Santa Slays. Talking about all the Christmas-themed horror movies. That sounds cool. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Horror Foria podcast. It is Friday, December 18th of 2020. Continuing on with Santa Slays month. Uh, episode number 89. We're going to be talking about a movie called Better Watch Out from 2017. Broadcasting from our... Watch out for the paint can studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. And Andy Gilly. <laughs> yes, do watch out for that. Uh, better watch out. Better watch out for paint cans. So, Andy, you, the episode that you were on uh, another podcast yes. just recently came out. Yes, the uh, episode of Anya's uh, podcast that I was on came out. Uh, Horror and More with Anya Gore. You can uh, see that on any uh, any of the places where you get your podcasts. What did you guys Stitcher, discuss? Spotify, uh, uh, iTunes, wherever you get it. Uh, we discussed vampires and how they kind of went to from a, you know, they, they, the genesis of the vampire legend is usually from, you know, thought to be from uh, people who had rabies. Mm-hmm. And now we think of them as these like sexy, alluring people, and yeah, like, not people, but these beings that are that are very sexy. You know, like Andy said, you got to go check this out because <laughs> because um, y- it was such a great discussion, and it I'm was so that. it was very interesting, and I I, I loved your guys' back and forth, and you just right. you have a lot of knowledge about this. Uh, I did like your take on Twilight, uh, the Twilight series. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well, you can get my thoughts in that podcast. But, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I guess it came out of both of us have had vampire projects lately. Anya and uh, a, a actor from Canada named Renee. Um, his last name escapes me right now, but an actor from Canada and her did a vampire shoot. Right. Where they, uh, you know, he was kind of this uh, vampire lord that came and seduced her or whatever. And, uh, it, you know, it was it was a it was a really cool shoot. Um, and I am collaborating with a author, a local author here named Claire Hartley uh, to produce a, a vampire erotic novel series. Nice segue. Uh, she, yeah, right. So you're a radio professional. Right. Exactly. Well, the, you know, not the kind of thing I could ever write. I'm just not good at that kind of writing. Um, I have a fantasy series called the descendancy of Chiron goes, you know, a lot of, we've talked about my horror series, uh, Mm -hmm. Yeti themed horror series, Siberian incident on this show before. But, uh, I also have a fantasy series called descendancy of Chiron. Um, you know, which is, is like, you know, the sword and uh, magic kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it's a world that's, that's kind of like that. Well, uh, my friend Claire wanted to write like a vampire romance type type uh, series and didn't want to do a bunch of world building and stuff like that. So I, I, I've kind of collaborated with her on this and she's uh, she's got one book out. Another one is coming out January 8th, I believe, the second in the series. And she's written a prequel so far. Uh, if you go to her website, Claire Hartley, C-L-A-I-R-H-E-A-R-T-L-E-Y dot com, you can uh, you can check those out. Uh, sign up for a newsletter and get get uh, um, information about uh, that series. But uh, Anya talk, Anya and I talked a little bit about those two projects that we had going on, and then we uh, we discussed you know vampires and why why we think they're sexy these days. Yeah, exactly. I, I kind of <laughs> love the way you guys like like started off with you know the background, the lore of what a vampire is right. to to leading into modern movies. Right. Um, 
And yeah, for sure. Go check out these books. And, uh, you know, we, Andy does this, you know, he writes books, so we wanted to give him time sure. to talk on the podcast about it. Yeah, well, you can you can go uh, see my books at andrewgilly.com, A-N-D-R-E-W-G-I-L-L-E.com. I sometimes talk about horror for you on there, too. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, you know, you know, I think it's, it's a pretty good podcast. Unfortunately, uh, some of the audio gets out of sync mm-hmm. in, in the middle of uh, Anya and I's discussion. So uh, it sounds like I'm kind of talking over her and stuff. I, I would never do that to Anya. Uh, you know, yes, she you is, would. She is. Yes, she would. It's <laughs> very interesting and uh, intelligent things to say. I, I, I was not trying to be rude or anything like that. It just the audio got out of sync, so it sounds like I'm talking over the top for in a couple of uh, of the segments. Unfortunately, well, it's, it, it's a fantastic discussion. So Good, again, still comes uh, more and more with Anya Gore wherever you get your podcast. But uh, first, you got to listen to us. Yeah. That that's the deal. Exactly. I'm just kidding. Uh, horror <laughs> so, movie news. Yeah. Speaking of vampires, uh, I got some. Glenn Danzig news for you. Is it? Okay. (laughs) I saw this. Go ahead, Andy. Okay. There is a still from Glenn's upcoming Vampire Spaghetti Western Death Rider in the House of Vampires on the 7th House Facebook page this week. That's Glenn's official Facebook presence. The photo featured Devin Sawa as the titular character Death Rider with an actress that seems to be his captive riding horse. They are both masked in the picture. Uh, Glenn said that is Devin Sawa as Death Rider and the virgin girl on the horse. Uh, Danzig says that uh, dawn is approaching and they are heading to sanctuary. Uh, so Glenn also mentioned that everybody in the movie was a vampire. He always was annoyed by the uh, old vampire movies where he had to ha- wait like half the movie uh, to see the vampire. So in this movie, you don't have to wait to see the vampire. Everybody's a vampire. That's his uh, one of his selling points. So. I'm excited I, for this, I, man. Okay. I I think that I think that you know fair, you know fair. you laughed about Veronica. That's his that's his freshman attempt. So he's just trying to figure things out. I think this is going to be interesting. I'll say this mm-hmm. is that I I'm biting my tongue because it was his very first movie. That's right. I'll have thoughts about that at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you. He, will. <laughs> I will. Um, all right, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him like. the benefit of the doubt because Rob Zombie has proven time and time to me, to me that he makes a poor film. His his ideas aren't poor. I think Rob Zombie is a really great director, but his uh, yeah, what he he shouldn't be writing his own stuff. Yeah, I don't think the dialogue and stuff like that. Right, yeah. it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know what she saw in Veronica is a student film. That's, so yeah. uh, I, I think best. that. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and and I think Danzig's just kind of figuring things out, and he released it for you know uh, if you wanted to watch it. I, I think this will be a, a a much better film. I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see most Danzig things though. So I know you are massive fan. I do. Okay, JoeBlow.com reports that Tobin Entertainment will be hosting the Watch With Party of Evil Dead. Uh, with live com- commentary from Bruce Campbell. Campbell's going to host the virtual event, providing live commentary on Saturday, January 23rd. Fans will listen to him share memories, behind-the-scenes stories, anecdotes from the film, and for a few lucky viewers, Bruce will even answer questions from the chat. Uh, Bruce said, 
I'm excited about this project. It'll be a great opportunity to safely connect with fans and allow them a closer look behind the scenes. Uh, tickets are on sale now. It can be purchased at StellarTickets.com. They're 25 bucks per device, and VIP tickets are 50 Include a limited edition event poster that will be mailed to the purchaser. Uh, I went and checked this out. I thought the VIP, VIP tickets might be sold out, but if you click the buy button, it gives you the option to either buy the uh, VIP or, or uh, regular $25 tickets. Um and uh, I never know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Like tomorrow evening, I can't tell you that what, what I'll be doing on January 23rd. But I definitely like to check this out. Uh, and if I do, I'll certainly talk about it here. That would be that would be a lot of fun. That just seems a little pricey to me. Well, yeah, it's because I, I can mean, I can rent the movie for five bucks. You can, it? but like, hey, like uh, you know, uh, premium ver- uh, video on demand is is usually nineteen ninety nine. This is only six bucks more, and you get might get to interact with uh, Bruce Campbell. See, that's you the probably cool. hear some things that you you've never heard before. Well, Evil that's Dead. the cool part. And that's where I was going with this. Is the cool thing is is that you got Bruce Campbell, which I understand, and from my understanding, the dude is like one of the coolest guys in the world. And that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so, that would be so. exciting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, watch the trailer for the movie. Sator, this new indie movie written, directed, produced, edited, scored, and shot by Jordan Graham. Uh, looks like a pretty creepy one. It does. According to Collider, the film follows a man named Adam who is investigating a mysterious death in his family. He delves into the history of something known as the Sator that he believes has been stalking his family for centuries. The uh, script is based on Graham's actual family and their claims of making contact with this thing called the Sator over the years. Uh, blends narrative fiction with haunting home video footage and Peterson's real recollections. Uh, Sator is quite personal, me, uh, personal to me, Graham said. De- delves into my family's dark history with mental illness surrounding a supernatural entity and uses home video footage to create an interwoven piece between documentary and fiction. Sounds pretty cool, man. I, the, the, the trailer's got me hooked, man. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to review it here on, in February on Horrorphoria. It's going to be on Video On Demand February 9th, mm-hmm. 2021. The other one where I get to go to Andy's house and check out the that's cool right. Sounds. Yeah, we'll check it out there. That's uh, that's our horror movie news for this week. All righty, uh, horror movie trivia. I finally came up with one. Oh, really? Right? And that's great because I don't have one. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, <laughs> okay. good. Makes me happy. Uh, our, our main character Olivia De Jong mm-hmm. is not a stranger to horror movie films. In fact, she stored, she uh, filmed a movie a year before this one. It's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. What is that movie? Really? Uh, I don't know, because I actually looked... I thought I looked up the actors to find other connections to horror, but I, and I didn't see much. What would she star in? The Visit. Really? Yeah. Okay, wow. I, yeah, that, that's kind of that found footage. Yeah, of, yeah. Okay. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, catch that one. Oh, and you don't have a trivia? I do not have trivia today. Well, let's jump right into it. Andy's Chainsaw Plot. Okay, well, so for the Chainsaw Plot, first of all, (laughs) I want to give an extra super special spoiler warning here. You really should go watch this movie before you know anything about it. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't even, don't even listen to the Chainsaw Plot. I I didn't put any spoilers in the Chainsaw Plot, but don't even listen to the Chainsaw Plot. If you haven't seen this movie yet, go watch the movie. It's not like you know. You know, I, I don't think there's a massive twist, but you're gonna you're gonna really enjoy the movie more. I think if you don't know, it's one of these movies where if you don't know anything about it, it's gonna be a much better experience for you. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. So, <laughs> I agree. Uh, so my uh, chainsaw plot is home for the holidays. College student Ashley agrees to babysit twelve-year-old Luke one last time. 
That's it. <laughs> Short and sweet and to the point. I'm going to reiterate what Andy just said. This is your spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Better Watch Out. It was filmed in 2016, came out in 2017 in its entirety. You must watch this before you listen. There's your spoiler. So That's right. Away we go. Indeed. Initial thoughts of Better Watch Out, Andy. Yeah, like I said, you're really going to want to watch this movie before you listen to the podcast. I can't say that enough. And again, I don't think this is like Sixth Sense, but it, it has some redirects you would not expect. I did not expect them. As I'm sitting there watching this movie for the first half hour, I'm like, what What the hell am I watching here? This is like a rehash of Home Alone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe this goes to a darker. This is probably like a darker Home Alone that I'm watching, you know? True. Uh, you know, I mean, what what? is going on here but there it turns and when it makes the turn i think it it becomes i guess what i call what i would call incel horror i mean luke is one of the most this character is one of the most terrifying kind of people out there uh there's a couple of parts to his personality and and i wonder how much psychology like the uh, writer of this knew because he fits this uh like profile of 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 just this entitled the, the way he feels entitled to ashley is angry at the guys she's previously dated if he can't have her no one can just super toxic person you know and the setup to this is so perfect his parents are exactly the kind of people who would produce this entitled kind of kid you know yeah. played by uh, patrick warburton and, I, and virginia I, madsen and, yeah virginia madsen uh massive mommy intri- issues and oh, uninterested yeah. dad he's doted on told he's special you know made to believe he's unique uh just an entitled person this is exactly the kind of per- way that you create brock turners and other guys like him you know uh another facet i think is his relationship with his friend garrett uh I had a relationship like this when I was about his age, actually. I mean, I didn't incel on girls. Luckily, I was let, let too afraid you, to talk to them. But Let, let me ask you, are yeah. you Luke or are you Garrett? I was Luke, man. <laughs> I, I mean, like I said, I was not, a, I, don't, I don't think I was entitled toward women like that. I, 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 I certainly, you know, went through some of that and I, I feel like I've, I've evolved from that. But I did get into trouble and do things I'm still not proud of with my best friend at the time. There were things I did in like cars and I, I stole things. He probably still has PTSD about some of this stuff. I mean, uh, I, I played very mean, terrible pranks on him, and I'm very sorry for those things, Matt. Uh, I've grown up now and I'm very ashamed of them. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't listen to this because I'm sure he wants to have nothing to do with me ever again, he rightfully your, so. He hears your voice and he just goes <laughs> probably, into probably because because I was the Luke care. You know, I, I was this guy who. Um, this guy was my absolute best friend in junior high and I felt like Garrett was just like him. He was unfortunate enough to be caught up with me and he got taken along for a ride on several misadventures that he did not sign up for, you know. Mm-hmm. From the time I was about, you know, 12 to 16, I was like a, just a terrible human being and I, I, I saw some things about, I, I saw some things when I was reading about this, like how a 12-year-old wouldn't be capable of this stuff. I beg to differ, man. I, I, and I guess I owe the fact that I didn't murder someone or become an, an incel like this guy to a couple of men my my dad being one of them some football coaches a martial arts instructor helped me kind of straighten me out or i'd be in prison right now for sure i mean kids are capable of awful evil and i don't even think this movie really 
it just kind of scratched the surface of that, you know, but it gave you a look into what builds somebody like that. And I thought that was amazing. It really did an awesome job of, uh, you know, constructing this. It's basically a young Patrick Bateman. That, see, that's what I was thinking. Like, like this would be the teenage version of Patrick Bateman. Absolutely. So overly intelligent. Right. And just almost like an idiot savant when it came to, you know, just brilliance and, and, you know, cultivating plans. Mm-hmm. Cause this guy, this kid was one step ahead or two steps ahead of everybody else. Yeah. For, for the most part he was. And in like, it, that's illustrated great in the final, uh, the next to final scene in the movie when he's like trying to go through everything, uh, you know, that clean he's up done, everything, clean up everything. And he, and he's like, Oh, the hole in his cheek, yeah. <laughs> you know, which we'll talk about, but you know, he, and then he, he goes back and quick, uh, you know, covers up the fact that this guy, why this guy would have a hole in his cheek, you know? Uh, <laughs> So, I I think you know there's there's a couple. I, I, well, what's your thoughts on it? I, I I should let you talk and not talk over you. No, it's you fine. I, I, <laughs> I didn't read anything into this movie. I've heard good things. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen. Oh yeah, this is a great movie to watch during Christmas time, and it was absolutely was. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued because I had seen the movie, or, or you've seen the idea of the beginning of the movie of the beginning of the movie before. Like, it's just, uh, you know, uh, a teenage girl or a college-age girl. I guess I didn't understand why, you know, if you're 13 years old, you need a babysitter. So, I, I think what they said is, is she was, like, home for the holidays, and it was, like, one last time. You know, he was 12. He wasn't 13. Okay, 12. So, he hadn't yet turned 13. I don't know. Maybe there's, is there a law that if you're under 12, you have to be cared for or something? I don't know. But, yeah, this was, like, the last time she was going to do this. She was in town anyway, and it was just basically for old time's sake that they got, you know, got her to come over and, and watch him. Yeah. Um, I... The acting in this movie was so good. Every single actor, the the ex boyfriend, is it Jeremy? Yes. Uh, so, well, Jeremy and and um, because Ricky Ricky was Rick the is the new first boyfriend. guy, and then Jeremy was the ex boyfriend. The, yeah. the what is it? Scumbag scumbag Steve. Steve. <laughs> it's like exactly like the meme scumbag Steve. Yeah, yeah. just that like just thick, all high and mighty, and he's like, yeah, man, what up, yo? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the acting was so good, and that the, this. Like this movie set up so perfectly from from begin from first act, second act into the third act because once you got into the second act, it didn't stop. It was like boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. You know, something more extreme would happen, and I loved it. I mean, I just I was I was enthralled from the very beginning because I was really interested. Of I didn't know where it was going to go because even the interaction when when uh, what's her name Beth, no Ashley, yeah, Ashley, Ashley got there. Uh, the parents. Like the mom was like overly nice, the dad was creepily nice. Yeah, I got the same feeling. Like I, I wasn't sure what what they were trying to um, like portray there with Patrick Warburton. What if he if he was supposed to be inappropriate or or if he was just I I didn't quite quite understand how to take his character and the way he was acting towards Ashley in that scene. I, I, it just gave me a creepy vibe. It made me uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that was on purpose though. Oh, it definitely, it definitely was on purpose and there was definitely a purpose to the way Patrick Warburton's character was treating her. Right. Um, and maybe it, it goes into the way Luke behaves towards women 
you know, later on. Uh, but, you know, Patrick Warburton, he's got these hobbies and things like that. Um, and I forget what his character's name is. I should not refer to him as... Uh, as, at least I'm not calling him Putty, which his is what I Rob- wanted. <laughs> Putty from Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> his name was Robert. Him. Robert. Okay, so Robert. Uh, you know, he, yeah, he's got this really kind of inappropriate dialogue towards her. It's it's a little bit flirty, and yeah, a little yeah, and and, and yeah, I picked up on that too. It, it, it just uh, I I was not quite. There's definitely a purpose to to why he's acting that way, and I think it's to show something about Luke and the way Luke was raised. You know, uh, he's also like got all these hobbies and interests and stuff that don't really relate to his kid at all. So I think it's showing that he's like off here. He's checked out. Yeah, he doesn't really and he doesn't interact with Luke that much either. His mother is the one who's really you know his guardian or the one and that to me like i want to bring that up when we get like towards the end of the movie because Mm -hmm. man that that, i've been racking my brain of what that meant because she says something to to luke about i know why she stopped doing that yeah talking about not coddling him and stuff like that and then well and we'll talk about it later right but yeah yeah i mean he's he's very close to like overly close to his mother right he he actually plays uh, he has a machine that plays sounds from inside the womb <laughs> that's uh, that something his right bed, there yeah, under his bed that he sleeps to every night and one thing he laments is like not getting uh you know tucked in by his mother every night mm-hmm. you know and i think in if you look up like the the kind of people that behave this way there are some real mommy issues uh, of this type you know is it Opetus? Yeah, Oedipus. Uh, Oedipus yeah, complex. Oedipus complex. Maybe that's something to do with it. Sure, sure. But, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, what we're talking about here is is an incel. You know, <laughs> you know what that is. It, it's like, and there's been, you know, incidents in the in the news where, you know, these guys uh, can't, can't, uh, they, they're very frustrated with the relationships towards women. They, you know, can't, they, they feel like they should, um, they should, they're entitled towards whatever woman they seek, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, uh, it's, um, it causes them to lash out, you know, mm-hmm. at everyone, and and that's exactly what Luke is here. He he's he's so entitled to Ashley. He feels so entitled to her that he's you know willing to kill his best friend and kill her, right? And you know, and, and cover that all up to uh, to get what he wants. Let me ask you this: Did did you feel any discomfort? Because okay, he's a twelve year old kid. Um, to me, like his his buildup of, of flirting with her and trying to, you know, kind of because he feels like it, maybe it's a little bit of, of his mentality, but it almost seemed innocent at first, you know, that, that you know, he, he just kind of innocently flirts with her and. You know, he just mentions, oh, I don't know why you're seeing Ricky and, right. you know. I had a massive amount of di- discomfort for this movie in the first, like, half hour. I, I did like, I did once they started eating pizza. I, yeah, I was like, what is going on here? Is this written by, like, a 12-year-old? Because this is like a 12-year-old incels fantasy. Yeah. Uh, this babysitter is going to, you know, 
uh, participate, come over uh, to your house, and you're going to save her from these uh, from these home invaders. But it seems guy. like something I would have written when I was well, twelve. I, and I'm talking. And, I'm talking about maybe within the first fifteen minutes. It almost seemed like an innocent kind of. Maybe there was a little bit there, but I think as soon as he and as soon as the parents went away, mm-hmm. I think it became inappropriate right away. Like he, because he's uh, he's saying things to her, like he's he's talking about her previous relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and he's he's like questioning why he she still he, he's mad that he she treats him like a kid, mm-hmm. you know. He's like, well, you you treat me like a, a kid, you know. And she's like, well, you are a kid, you know. And, and but she was supposed to be seventeen, I think. Right? Isn't isn't that? I I would, I would assume so. She's, I think she's, she's going off to college 17. in Pennsylvania or something. Right? I, she's supposed to be seventeen, so they're both minors, mm-hmm. you know. But obviously, she's not interested in him. He is a kid, you know. The the, eight, the five years at that age is mat is a chasm of difference. You Absolutely, know? it is. And uh, you know, obviously, he is very entitled to it. He tries to make out with her. He like jumps on her basically, which was a really this probably the second most uh, uh, difficult part to watch in this movie. It is, and that's why I said on the couch to me that's where I really started feeling the discomfort. Absolutely, of it. and he's like putting his head on her shoulder and stuff, and he, yeah. he's, he's that got really being, creepy. It, it and it was, and it showed like, and I was like, where is this going? Is this is our hero? Because at that point, basically, you you're you're kind of directed to feel like he's the main character and the guy that's going to, you know, bring you through this. Maybe Ashley is going to be kind of a, uh, uh, helping hand. You don't have the damsel in distress anymore, but it seemed like they were going to make him kind of the hero of the movie. You yeah. Know? Before you found out what really happened. <laughs> right. I, I, and it was like, like she's a, she became a victim of politeness. Yeah. She absolutely. doesn't, she does not want to like, you know, she doesn't want to ruin this job. She doesn't right. want her kid or this kid to run off to his parents and oh, she was doing this to mm-hmm. me. So she she kind of gave in on some of the things like like he was drinking champagne. Mm-hmm. You know, he's drinking straight from the bottle and right. she's getting ready to dump it. She's like, oh well, whatever, it's open. Might as well take it. Mm-hmm. Um, she also kind of gives in and says to him, well, hey, if I was your age, I would date you totally. She did say that. Yeah, you're right. So, so it gave him that was his opening that he needed. You know that you yeah. know, this this narcissistic mentality that he had. No, you're totally right. I mean, I think that is that you're right. That that's what he thinks is his opening. Mm-hmm. You know, he thinks a, a, after that he's like, well, you know, this is this should be mine. I I uh, she said this to me, so that means she wants me. You know, it's, it's totally this kind of mentality. You yeah. know, and uh, <laughs> give him a foot, they'll take a mile. Absolutely. And you know? then, like, because you see that later when when her and Ricky are tied up. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Did you notice how, how high the doorknobs were up in that house? Yeah, so you know what that is? No. This, this is filmed in Australia. Oh. And, and for some reason, I guess, the doorknobs in the, in the houses, in some of the older houses there, are super high. And it was actually, like, uh, it was actually, like, distracting to the director, I guess. He, he, like, made a comment that he's, like, this, like, I hate, I hate it where the doorknobs are in <laughs> Like, to, see, not knowing that, and I'm not making fun. I'm really no, not. No, no, right. But to it's me, it was weird. so comical because they, they were, like, at their head. Right. You know, and, it was and, like, hey, all right. Cause, uh, know, I, I, no, and there's a couple of theories why I, I think basically what I read is it came down to fashion like that was a fashionable place to have them at the time <laughs> like it, this is like a World War II era Australia I guess 
Okay. And uh, and so they, they, yeah, they have these super high doorknobs. And the director of this movie actually was distracted by it. He's like, this is, this <laughs> I, is I hated that. Yeah, I kind of was too at the beginning because I'm like, no, am I not seeing that? No, because every room that they walked by, it was like right here, mm-hmm. like right by my earlobe. You know, yeah. normally it's right by your waist or something. Exactly. Like that. So I did like. Uh, I do think this has a really good Christmas vibe to it. Oh, I loved it. Like it really has. It's not like just this movie that could be set any other time. And right. I mean, you could, you could, you could set this any other time. But I think the fact that it, it cr- the Christmas part adds something to it. Did you know, I didn't see any breath. I did see it look like they actually brought in like real snow. So the first scene I think was definitely, they, maybe they, you know, brought it, brought in the snow machines, but I think that was real you know, a real actual cold place. Okay. I, I thought I did see breath in the, in the first couple scenes. Well, maybe because like when they have a, they have a fight scene out there later and I couldn't yeah. even imagine like, like putting an actress or an actor through that. Cause she was barefoot. Right. And in the snow. And I'm like, Oh yeah. God, I've walked barefoot in the snow usually when I'm drunk, but, uh, <laughs> but, but if you were acting and you had to be out there for 10 hours and yeah, doing that was this over and over, you'd get frostbite or having your feet in the snow sucks a lot. So even when you're drunk, so, um, but the, the first scene, I, I, it had a total winter vibe, and that was real snow, for sure. Agreed. You know, and I thought I did see some breath in the first scene. Obviously, after that, it moves to a set, yeah. you know. It's and and the, the backyard scenes are all a set. You can't see that kid's breath or anything. And it's, but it didn't take, like, the first scene set it up for me, and I just, it, I didn't get taken out of it. I, I didn't, and like like you said, you know, could, you could see them people sweating. I mean, you didn't necessarily. You could, see, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't necessarily see that because of the the way it was shot right and there was probably some real like real snow machine snow in there rather than you know could be yeah i mean the the backyard scenes i think were all potato flakes or you know soap flakes or whatever they use um that did not seem real but uh, i I love the aesthetic like like the lights the tree you know yes beautiful house it was except the doorknobs yes um I, I liked. Um, I love this ugly sweater that he wears at the end. Oh my that god! That Luke wears at the end. Oh, oh, the oh, ho 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 sweater. It was it was a great, and it almost like it did. It harkened to uh, Patrick Bateman exactly right. when he's wearing the reindeer antlers. You know, it was like this ridiculous. Uh, it's like, hey, I'm I'm so narcissistic. <laughs> I guess I have to wear this to be festive and act like I love this singing. <laughs> oh, that part was great when when you, when the carolers come. Yeah. Well, and I hope you like the hot cocoa. You know, and he's like. Overly, it is totally Patrick. This is Patrick Bateman's childhood, right here. Absolutely, man. Um, so yeah, the the um, let's talk about the paint can scene. You want to start right there? Yeah, let's talk about the paint can scene because uh, I got some thoughts on this. So let's, let's you, know, you know, the the movie takes a turn where they're. So it seems like that the there's a home invasion. Turns out to be his friend Garrett is dressed up as the home invader. They. they concocted this whole thing right Garrett and Luke did uh, the person that was stalking through with a real shotgun yeah. was actually his friend Garrett right to scare um, uh, Ashley right to make him to make Luke look like the knight in shining armor to save her right so the jig is up she's they've admitted to her that you know this has happened and, yeah, and this is uh, what we did she gets angry and then he punches her down the steps and that's when it makes the turn that you know he's not what what he's been made out to be ties her up and everything ties her up and everything 
one of her ex boy he gets one of her ex boyfriends to come over to the house. That's her current boyfriend. Oh, that's her current yeah, boyfriend. Yeah, Ricky's right. Ricky's okay. the current boyfriend. Okay. That's right. They were just having some problems. Yeah, they had an argument. That's right. So, uh, and what he's going to do to him is uh, the paint can scene from uh, Home Alone. And there's a lot of allusions to Home Alone in this in this movie, which which really like it was effective in making me think it was you know basically an homage to Home Alone, and and kind of a dark Home Alone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he misses the first time he swings his paint can. And, yeah. So and they they have Ricky set up below yeah. the banister. And Luke's up there. He, he, you know, he's tied this. He's tied a paint can, full mm-hmm. paint can, to a rope, and he throws it down once, and it like breezes by this Ricky guy's ear, like almost hits him in the face. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then he sets it up so that it it actually does hit him in the face. So this thing hits this guy kid a guy in the face. It's basically a kid. He's probably in his twenties or something. Like he's supposed to be in his. Teens or twenties? Yeah, I wouldn't say much older than uh, yeah, Ashley. He, he has 19. a job. He works yeah. as a, a mechanic, obviously, because because Luke is uh, uh, you know taunting him about that, which yeah. is uh, you know a, a view into Luke's character too. Um, but this thing hits him in the face, and it, it's a great, it's an awesome kill. Mm-hmm. I really loved the aesthetic of the kill here. Yeah, it's the whoever made the choice to use yellow paint. Oh yeah, in this paint bucket. Uh, is great. They're they're the so the paint can hits him. The paint goes everywhere, mm-hmm. and uh, blood mixes with the with the yellow paint. That looked good. It looked great. It was better actually than the ginger snaps milk and blood scene. I yeah. thought. Yeah. I thought it was uh, a better contrast than that. Which is it, it reminded me a little bit of that, but it was it was better than that. And I you think. didn't actually see the paint cam bust his head open but you saw you saw the aftermath from from behind there was a shot where the paint can was right there and you see the kind of like his head leaned back and the paint can sitting right there like it Mm -hmm. smashed his brains in Mm -hmm. but i loved that i mean the way it dropped because the shot was of his of his like legs and his feet like while he's tied up to the chair and you just Mm -hmm. see it drop dripping all over him yes right and uh you know uh Garrett gets sprayed with some of the paint and some of the blood. And some of the blood, yeah. And Luke makes a comment. He's like, "We well, go get cleaned up. You look like a hot dog." <laughs> exactly, and it, it did. It was like a ketchup and mustard type effect. And I think that's what was so effective about it. It just, it really was impactful, uh-huh. even though no pen intended. Even though it, it, you didn't see the see the shot. And sometimes I think that's a real cop out when they don't show the kill, you know. But I think in this instance, it was a better directorial. Uh, decision yeah. and uh it, it made the scene more effective yeah because you still felt the the uneasiness of the goriness of it oh yeah i mean it, it was it was still massively gory and you know what even added to it, it is luke's reaction to it yeah like like he's like giddy as a schoolgirl. girl going, oh my god that actually happened oh my god it works you mm-hmm. know just like like he just discovered something so they were having a debate about like this Prior to that, I think they were talking about like they had watched a 10 minute video on the Internet Mm -hmm. of whether this would work or not. Right. I I thought they said something like that. Well, I watched that 10 minute video and I'm just not sure that. No, I don't I don't mean to be one of these guys, but I'm not sure this would kill you. No, because I I watched the 10 minute video and it is graphic like the guy gets a ballistics dummy and hits him in the face with a uh, you can find it on the Internet by Googling like. Home Alone paint can something or other, you know, uh, he hits a, hits this ballistics dummy in the face with a full paint can mm-hmm. and it is graphic. You know, I mean, the the head bends like 
almost all the way back. It looks like almost an internal decapitation on this yeah, thing. It seems to me that, yeah, it would it would definitely, like, break your skull, but it wouldn't, like, push into your skull like that. Like, I, yeah, I, and I don't like know somebody would blow your skull hammer and, like... Right, a sledgehammer has a lot more, you know, velocity and mass, and like the, <laughs> I just I hate to dissect things like this, but I really want to talk about it. So, did you see this video at all? Have I, you seen I did it? not. Okay, I should I should have had I'm, you watch it. I'm also it. imagining a paint can. Okay, right. So a paint can is not a heavy metal. Right. It's more of a tin. Yeah. Right? So it's the paint inside that gives it the velocity. It gives it the velocity right. and the weight, but still, there's not that that there's not that bulk in there where it, it would it would injure you severely i think it could yeah it definitely could injure uh, and, you severely and, you know snap your neck back and break your spinal column right but the, okay so the ballistics dummy Spin- has no muscle right it, it isn't going to resist that at all right and so like the paint can was completely like crushed you know so i think the paint can take would take a lot of uh, of the it would absorb That's, a lot I, of the because of the lightweight of the metal and and if you got hit in the nose it would break your nose break a lot of bones in your face absolutely, i think if you put absolutely. your i think if you put your head down you would survive this i don't think it would blow your head off or apart no you get but i don't know i wouldn't want to get hit in the head with a paint can <laughs> you would That's have a broken sure. skull for sure I, I i and i don't think your skull would break i think your facial bones could break but anyway this is <laughs> I, I hate sometimes but I we hate, digress sometimes uh, i hate I uh, hate conversations like that where, you know, but I, I just, but I, 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 I'm not totally sure it would, it would rip your, your head apart like, like this. Like to me, that, that was the most brutal kill. The most- it, it was the bruise. And, and in this movie, this scene is, is gory and awesome. And it didn't take me out of it at all. Just after, know. just as a side note, after watching that video, I'm not sure it would kill you, but you know, it didn't take away from the movie at all. That's, this is not a criticism on the movie. This is just something I thought would be fun to talk about. Well, and at some point, uh, um, like while this uh, while this fake invasion is going on, um, wh- what was it? Luke had Ashley's phone, mm-hmm. and she said, "Throw me the phone so I can call nine one one." And he, he you know he just kind of lobs it to her, and it goes in the fish tank. Right. Come to find out that he had wrapped it in plastic. That's right. And and protected it, and he was texting her ex-boyfriend Jeremy who was yeah. like a big jerk face. And that's who he also he also he hated both of these guys, and that's a. That's kind of a Luke did, yeah, yeah. Luke hated both of these guys, and that's kind of a thing too. That uh, they the the people who uh, the men who think this way really hate men who are successful with women, you know, and who they see as successful with women. So, uh, you know, Rick, Ricky, and uh, and Jeremy are just are people that they they would really dislike because they uh, they're you know nice guy quote unquote nice guys and these guys are are uh, are jerks and they get the girls and that's how you have to be as a jerk to to get a girl and it's all part of this whole like culture of these toxic guys that mm-hmm. that think this way you know so. I really liked that part of his personality too. I really thought it it was a good look into that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it, it, his buddy Garrett, I mean, I think plays a really integral part of this. Of like, you know, he's just not just the sidekick anymore, but you know, he finally gets a conscience of, okay, I got to stop following this guy. Like, right. your buddy, I'm sorry, his name was Matt. Garrett. Garrett is no, my my buddy's name was Matt. Yeah, yeah. Like Matt <laughs> should have stopped following you he, at some point. He absolutely should have. Garrett realizes I'm uh, I'm all wrong because but but the, okay so I do understand that relationship like there's this uh, like he well for me and I'm not sure Luke would be this way but for me it was like 
continually impressing him with like wilder and wilder things, you know, and because uh, he, he reacted to it, you know, it was like uh, he thought I was cool when I did this outrageous stuff and, and stole things and did what? stuff like that. You know, he he was he thought I was cool. I, I got the vibe that he thought it was cool when I did that stuff. True, I get that, and, and but and I think that's what and and he also went along with it because he didn't want to um, he didn't want to disappoint me. I think, and that's where Garrett's at. He's afraid that he's going to lose his friendship with Luke if he doesn't keep going along with this well, stuff. And, you know? and the moment that was realized was you know he <laughs> Luke tells Garrett to go chase after Ashley because she had escaped, right? Yeah. Yep. And there was this brick earlier in the movie thrown through the window. It says, "You leave, you die." Right. And Garrett. You know, just like like little Aaron boy smacks her on the head with this brick. Yeah. Because she's getting mm-hmm. ready to, like, say help to the carolers while, <laughs> while right. freaking Luke's watching them sing and giving them hot cocoa and just bopping his head along. Right. Drags her back inside, you know, and he's laying on the couch, like, just, just stone-faced. No expression. He's just like, I don't know what I'm doing now. Well, Luke had plied him with Oxycontin, if you remember right. Well, yeah, but that that's <laughs> so. when, this is when the, like, this is when... They are, are uh, it was a ruse. It was all just yeah. a, a prank that they had played. He gave him Oxycontin and he's just, oh, this is so nice and whatever. But like throughout the movie, he's realizing more and more they play truth or dare. You know, oh, that yeah. was so. Oh my that, God. Yeah, that was that was a very uh, uncomfortable scene to watch. And I really liked it. Like, I thought it was a great scene that really showed um, how how insidiously toxic that that kind of uh, person is you're absolutely right you know, it, there's it was, and the entitlement and the entitlement behind that thought process because you know? he puts her hands on her breast yeah or, right yeah i mean he he sets up this game of truth or dare to be able to basically do whatever he wants molester to. molester I mean, yeah and he molests her yeah he does and and you know sexually assaults her oh absolutely you know? uh it was like so oh it was like unnerving for me i was absolutely it was it I, was it was but it, it was also really the way that you know, it was a good look into how that that uh, psychology functions. Well, he does it later too, even before Ricky dies, because Ricky. Um, oh, he forgot the pencil thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and that was that was a great effect too, actually. Yeah. Because yeah, right. Ricky comes in. Ricky had uh, gotten called or, or texted by. Oh, it was by Luke. Luke yeah. had texted him to you know reel him in. You know, and there's this, you know, he's looking around for her. He's got flowers to apologize to her. And she's tied up at this point and she's trying to scream. But they, they got the Christmas music, which, by the way, was a great selection of playing Christmas music really loud during the scene. So he runs upstairs. You know, Luke hits him in the head and he gets back up. And then he hits him in the head, or stabs him in the cheek, and then hits him in the head again. Yeah, yeah, he, he had stabbed him in the cheek with the pencil. But, it, and uh, with the pencil was like, something they put on his door to uh, make sure he didn't sleepwalk or yeah. something like yeah. that. I don't know what, if gone, he really then. did the sleepwalking or if he just walked around at night, but I'm not quite sure what that was supposed to be. But I think what really made this effect great, so he gets stabbed through the cheek with it. This, this Ricky kid gets stabbed through the cheek with a pencil by Lou. And uh, they tie him up, and they're going to make him smoke pot mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to... to Play, lay into the uh, story that they're trying to tell the police later on. Yeah, exactly. And so there's like smoke coming out of his cheek. Oh, hole when they cheek. do that. Great effect. I loved that effect. It was it was a really great effect. And Luke is amused by it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he thinks it's funny and he makes him smoke more pot. To, and, and I think Rick Ricky says that, 
I, you know, I don't mess around with that stuff, you yeah. know. Uh, and it's it's Garrett's joint. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, I did. I, I thought that was a really great uh, great effect. Actually, I, I thought it was a pretty cool effect that uh, he had this smoke coming out of this hole in his cheek. It, yeah. it was a little jarring. To, well, to and see it's that. it's shortly after that when he gets tied up. Is you know Luke still being manipulative, and he's like, because he's manipulating of what? Because I guess Ricky did say something about him and Ashley sleeping together. Yeah, I, I don't think Ricky is a, a nice guy either. No, you no, know, no, he's, he's not, not. But he brings that up, and he's like, you know what? I want to see you guys too. Yeah, have sex. Right. I mean, right. With the other word, I want to see you two have. Sex. And I went. Whoa, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Super dark, right? Yeah. I mean, that is insidious. And it was. It was, it was, this guy is a, is a terrible human being. You know, Mm -hmm. Luke is an awful person. And, you know, some of that has to do when you're a kid, you don't really have a conscience unless your parents develop it, you know? And uh, he doesn't really have, you know, you look at his parents and he, and he doesn't, I'm sure he's told he's awesome and and that uh, he's always a winner and and all this stuff you know and and not told how to how to lose and how to that sometimes you can't win and stuff like that. So, well, he doesn't uh, learn the lessons of life. No, you, he doesn't. You, you get away with anything. And he exactly. says that he says that to Garrett in the movie. Right. He's just like, listen to what I have to say. We're going to get away with this free and clear. It's We're not exactly going to have to worry about anything. That's exactly what he says. So, yeah, that was that was also really a uh, look into his character the, that he would uh, think about doing something like that, you know. And yes, it was. It was that they had broken they had broken up though. That was her ex-boyfriend because he had he had run around telling people that he was having sex with her and she I well, thought no, she they, broke up with him. No, she didn't that. break up with him. Oh. She she they just had an argument so he brought flowers oh, over to apologize. Okay. All right, gotcha. The reason why Jeremy was there is because Luke also texted him Luke texted and him, said, yeah. "Hey, listen, you don't want to make up for this." And then, you know, let's get can we get to that scene? Of yeah, Jeremy's that's, that's dad? A good, yeah, that's a you know, Jeremy, like, like Andy had mentioned, he looks like scumbag Steve. He's the meme. He really does. Just his hat on sideways, the stick, sticker still on the hat. He's wearing all <laughs> these really fancy clothes and stuff like that. Brand new uh, tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. He comes walking in. Yeah, Ashley. All right, Ashley. <laughs> and then um, she's tied up. She's tied up with Christmas lights now, which I thought was a... Yeah, nice yeah exactly. I mean, again, you're seeing, you know, it's how, how being part of Christmas, uh, you know, being a Christmas movie makes this better. Yeah. And tied but up. Tying like, up with like Christmas was, lights was a nice little. It was a bulb. nice touch, right? Yeah, it was. It really was. Um, so Jeremy gets over there and uh, in the text, it says, oh, hey, meet me around back. And, you know, he's looking for her. And then all of a sudden Luke shows up and he's like, well, hey, um, she wants you to write down your apology. Right, exactly. So he's, which he's, is this is like the admit the the right, and you know he makes so he makes him do that, and then he uh, he basically makes it look like he's hanged himself because he puts a rope around his neck and drives this this tractor lawnmower. The, the, the lawn lawn tractor, yeah. yeah. And what I really liked is like his feet were just kind of touching the uh, the, the chair, swing. and then you know Luke pulls it forward like about another yard, and and his feet go up like. Two or three feet out and, of out and of the look of his face on death mm-hmm. was so realistic. Oh, Another yeah, just like jarring scene. You're like, ooh, yeah, ooh, that's yeah. Because you know, the way it's dark. like his eyes just went bonk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was a that was a cool scene. Um, God, just when you think this movie couldn't get any darker, it does because 
Garrett realizes the error of his ways. We're at 45, by the right. way. Uh, Garrett's at realizes the error of his ways, so he's going to free Ashley. Mm-hmm. So he's like cutting off the duct tape. He's trying to get her unwrapped. Uh, didn't he kiss her on the cheek or something like that? And and it's not like Garrett did, yeah. It, well, and there was another scene where like uh, Luke kisses her as he's pushing her in the chair. Oh, on and the forehead. All of that, Creepy. yeah. So Garrett did the yeah. Garrett did the same thing. He he like kisses her. Yeah, well, which is I, just gross. Well, yeah, know? but he kisses her on the cheek, just like he's like, I will get you out of this. I promise. Yeah, and, and then but then he kisses her on the cheek. I mean, that's that's creepy. But <laughs> Luke sees this. Yeah, that's right. And that is Luke what he shoots him right in the chest. That's right. That is what made him snap there. And, and kill Garrett because he's did he's and he says to her, "Don't you you were never you were not supposed to." I touch told her. you never to touch her. That's right. And then you know he's mm-hmm. pleading. He's like, "I'm dying here, man. I'm dying." He's like, yeah. and you see Luke put on his fake like upset face. Yeah. Oh, God, this is disturbing. He goes, boom, blows his head off and goes, "Well, you were pissing me off anyways." <laughs> right. He, he is a and he just walked away. Yes. This kid is a absolute psycho. So then they, he goes over to <laughs> it gets darker because it's like all of a sudden um, he starts going into this monologue of like his mom doesn't coddle him anymore. Yeah, this is all all like the kind of the story of how these, you know, th- this is all plays into his psychology where, where his psychology comes from right, right. Mm-hmm. and and then it was just a really like impactful uh, yeah I, line that she says she's like i know why she doesn't anymore and he cuts her throat or he puts a knife in her throat or something yeah he puts he puts that knife in the side of her throat oh, and okay. i loved like how slow he did it and yeah. deliberately he did it you yeah. know he and pulls he, it out and puts it on and, and it's jeremy's counter. knife if i remember right yeah. it's rick's knife one of the it's one of the boyfriend's knife and and he, it's a it's a folder and he yes he just sticks it slowly into and her takes neck takes it out and puts it on the like so gently puts exactly. it on the on the uh, end, end table yeah, and then you, so you and, think she's dead. Mm-hmm. And then you have the scene that we were talking about before, where he's trying to, like, he's got he's got his parents, you know, GPS coordinates or whatever, so he knows they're on their way back. Right. And he's trying to, you know, make set everything up so it looks like he was asleep in his bed the entire time this was happening. Right, know? because he was supposed to take a sleep medication that would keep, right. make him sleep through anything instead of sleepwalking. So exactly. it was kind of brilliant, you know, brilliantly set up. I mean, there were mm-hmm. a few mistakes that he had made. Oh, I forgot about like talk about the uh, the what he did with the uh, the the cheek thing. Yeah, he so he he remember he's in bed and he remembers that he hasn't uh, accounted for that because he's the one who stabbed uh, Rick, Rick in the, yeah. in, the, in the cheek. So he what he he went and put the pencil in Jeremy's hand or, or whatever. Well, he put yellow paint on yeah. Jeremy's hand. So the, that's right. The, the yellow fingerprints were all, so he put he wiped down everything. He put yeah. like yellow paint on Jeremy's hand who's hung himself yep. uh, and he puts it on the guns he puts it on the knife he puts it on the yep. pencil and sticks it right back into his cheek yes right exactly uh, so he's, he thinks he's got everything accounted for and uh, his mom comes home and then gives him what he's been looking for. She comes into his bedroom and cuddles him mm-hmm. because, you know, she's seen all this, uh, all the, all this slaughter yeah. and then gives him what, what he's uh, looking for as she cuddles him in bed, which is what he's, he told the babysitter he was, he was looking for. So I don't know if that's like his ultimate goal here is to get his mom to like, uh, Maybe snuggle him one more time or well, what the deal was be. because he actually you know I, I thought it was like more of a 
you know, in, in uh, wanting to have Ashley, but uh, he killed her. So maybe it was this is exactly what his uh, uh, what his reasoning was. You know, why he wanted to do this was so that his mom would snuggle him one last time. You know, well, and his only real reaction was, and you know, here's the big twist of you know mid credit scene of. Uh, Somebody's still alive. Yeah. Or this one's yep. still alive, and it's yeah. Ashley. Yep. And she's she's in her. Uh, they're wheeling her off, and wheeling she looks off. at the window, looks at uh, looks at Luke, and flips him off. Right. <laughs> Which I thought was great. Some people hated that scene. Oh, like, God, that was great. I, I thought it was. I thought it was great. I I mean, I was ready for him to have won or whatever. That there's some sometimes horror movies end that way, and it's yeah. it's okay. But that, I thought that made it better. I really did. But I loved his reaction. As good as that that kid that played Luke, mm-hmm. his reaction was fantastic, and he just went like his heart dropped. He's like, uh, Mom. I'm worried about Ashley. Can we go to the hospital? Right. Cut <laughs> the mid, mid-credits scene. Up yeah, the credits. Exactly. All right. Uh, I know you got a meeting here coming up. So yeah. uh, did we miss anything? I don't think so. All right, Andy. How are you feeling about Better Watch Out? Good, bad, classic. And what are you going to rate it? So, so as much as I hate to just like fawn over a movie and <laughs> agree with everything you say about it, you know, you know I try to be contrary right. in these things. But uh, this was a gr- this is a great movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's much better if you go to in, into it not knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you, if you watch it and you know you have you want to have a friend watch, don't tell them anything about it. You know, tell them nothing about it. Uh, I, I, it's fantastic, just like you said. The uh, th- there's great uh, effects in it. I, mm-hmm. I think there's some really good d- directorial choices. And as far as the psychology of this kind of uh, person, it's spot on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is a great like view into the mind of somebody who thinks that way. You know, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't skip anything. It, it, it's really just just a fantastic portrayal of, of how a cycle like that is made. I, I, I agree. I you know, it's a. It, it didn't glorify anything either. Oh, absolutely not. I it thought it feels, was, I thought it totally showed like, and I thought that's where it was going in like the first 30 minutes, you know? And, and like a lot of times Hollywood is guilty of this where, where it's like, like, um, you know, you, you, you just have to, even though the girl seems like she doesn't like, you just have to try harder and, and then she'll like you, you know, yeah, uh, show up. The more by, you ask the, the yeah, you know, sh- the more you'll chop away. Show up with a boom box underneath her, uh, you know, bedroom window at two o'clock the more play Peter Gabriel exactly and and you'll be fine and then then she'll love you you know but but so I thought it was going that direction and the pivot it took was just fantastic I love it I'm gonna give this three and a half stars actually I really like this movie Uh, that's a great score too Mm -hmm. I I, see I yeah I'm uh, I'm a little surprised by that score I I really can't say a whole lot more Mm -hmm. I really can't I mean the gore hit fine the 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 acting I, I I don't know, man. We've had some really good movies here recently where the acting was just spot on. Uh, I love the story. I, I loved everything that direct, director did in this movie. The mm-hmm. only thing that bothered me was the doorknobs. I'm not, <laughs> right. um, it did distract me. Um, no, I'm not going to say classic. It's not a classic. I don't think it's a classic. I think that remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not sure if it, if it would attain that status. I, I, maybe after a second watch, I'm going to feel differently, but I'm going to go, I'm going four and a half on this one. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But it was, God, man, I just, every part of this, I, 
did you ever find yourself bored? I mean, you felt you felt something. You felt you had a visceral reaction. Something. You had a reaction of, God, is this where it's going? And it's like, nope, that's not where it's going. I felt something the entire movie. It was it was disgust at first, you yeah. know. And I was like, uh, and then it, no, I, I was never bored during this movie. You're absolutely right. Um, I think four and a half is a little high. I'm glad we disagree on something about this movie because I hate always everything, but right. <laughs> I hate it when we all, well, when we agree. But. but you've also you've also you're also very you know conservative with your stars. Well, sure, but like for me, it's just I had so much fun with this. I mean, no, it, I, I did too. I, I thought it was great, and, and the winter, the Christmas feeling for it, uh, everything was was really great as far as 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 far as a Christmas movie goes. I'm just curious um, of like on a second watch how would it be? Yeah, and that's 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 my thought too. That's it's, why I'm why I'm a little more conservative with that because yeah. um, I'm not if if you take the twist away and you already know what's coming yeah, I don't well, know. That's, that's we'll why. If, if I mean, the, the Sixth Sense is a classic. Let's not get. Let's not. No, that's that absolutely right. right. But, but but I think I think after uh, and it, we had the disagreement with with uh, with uh, a Christmas Horror Story last week that yeah. it was just initial watch. Man, I had so much fun watching right. that. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give so, it a higher score. But yeah, that's that's where my I guess that's why I'm being conservative is because I just don't know. Is this going to be something I want to watch again and again and again? Like I would get you know, if something that I give four and a half stars to would be something like that. And I'm not sure. Well, if this I, is and I'm actually going to watch it again next year, maybe even like before Christmas this year. I will, too. All right. We got uh, next week. We're going to go a little early next week because we got the holiday coming up December 23rd. We're going to talk about Anna and the Apocalypse. We're also going the following Wednesday. We're going to give our recap of the best of 2020. We didn't have a whole lot to review from this past year, but we're going to do our best and we're going to kick off the beginning of the year with the remake exclusively on shutter castle freak that's right all right excited about that one everybody have a wonderful weekend we will talk to you next week don't forget to rate and review us uh listen to us anywhere you get your podcast also follow us on all of our social medias thanks for listening to horror for you podcast have a good weekend